Hey, good morning, church. Just a quick question I'd like for you to share with the person next to you. If you could be single or married or married with children, which life stage would you choose right now? That's the question. Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, in wisdom, please answer very carefully, okay? But single, married, or married with children, go ahead. You know, what's so interesting about our passage this morning in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, he's in this very healthy discussion, right, about marriage, sex, singleness, divorce. And then right smack in the middle of this discussion, he inserts this section about assignment and calling in verses 17 through 24. And you might be asking, why does he do this? Well, because in life, Paul recognizes something. Even amongst the people of God, right? Sons and daughters of God, that even for us, we can, if we are not careful, fall prone to what I like to call the greener grass disease, all right? Now, what is that? Well, it's simply this. It's to think that there is always something better or easier on the other side, right? The grass is greener on the other side. You've heard that phrase before. To be absolutely, to be bought into the idea that somewhere else or a different situation is better, right? Like my life would be so much better and easier if I was just there and not here, right? I don't know what you answer to that first question, but my guess is that maybe many of you in this room chose a life stage that is different from the one that you are in currently. Is that true? You don't have to answer, but that's my guess. Because have you ever thought that way, right? Like as a single person. Like yesterday at 2.42, we had a wonderful, you know, brothers and sisters. Brandon and Cassie, I don't know if they're here, but they got married yesterday. So praise God. So if you see them, you know, you can welcome them. Just say, oh, congrats. But can you imagine you're a single person at that wedding? And you're watching, you know, Brandon and Cassie just celebrate this wonderful moment. And you're thinking to yourself, I am empty I want that. I want to be married. Or you're at that wedding, and you're a married couple, and you're looking at them and being like, look at them. They think they're happy. (laughs) They don't know what they signed up for. Right? Or you're a parent with young kids, and you're at the wedding, and you're not thinking anything. You're just tired. You just want to eat a quiet meal without being bothered. Mom, I have to go to the restroom. Okay. It's the grass is greener disease. Now, maybe it's just a fleeting thought. And at the end of the day, you come back to the idea that, like, oh, I am blessed. You know, I'm really happy where I am. Or if we're not careful, and this is why Paul addresses this, it can be a breeding ground very dangerous 
place of envy and discontentment in our lives. So this morning, we're going to look at a very important passage, a very valuable passage, that teaches us to be very present right where you are right now. To love God, to serve Him, and to be content in your current set of circumstances today. Right? So we have two points. The first point is simply this. To live as you are called in verses 17 through 22. In this section, Paul is going to give a principal teaching and then two illustrations to back his principal teaching. All right, you with me? Okay, thank you. All right. So, verse 17 says this. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. There is no exception. He's saying to all the believers, here's the principal teaching. Let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him. Meaning that the assignment that you have right now, your current set of circumstances, it is not an accident. It is your calling. That Greek word is the word kaleo. It's a rich theological word that means that God, in his sovereignty, has brought you into this very set of circumstances right now. It is no accident. You are right where you need to be. And although it is not perfect, God wants you to live out his purposes right now, today. So it's not to say, you know, once I make some money, like I'll be available and I'll serve the Lord. When I have more time, or when my kids get older, or when I get married, or when I finally make that next promotion, then it's like, no, like right now, your current assignment, God has called you and you are exactly where you need to be. You know, at our men's retreat, we have Pastor Corey Ishida come and preach and share with us. And I love spending time with him because I love picking his brain. You know, he's a retired pastor. He was pastoring at the same church for 40 years. He's married for 50 plus years. And now he's at the age of 75. And he was sharing with me at the retreat that he is stepping into his current assignment right now, his calling. And you know what that calling is? I don't know if we have a picture. Uh, Chris, you could shoot that out. His calling right now is to be the best grandfather to his 13 grandchildren, right? He was sharing that there are obvious difficulties with this stage of life. Like he just had knee replacement surgery, right? He said his teeth are falling out, so he has to put in false teeth. And so uh, he was sharing that sometimes it's difficult to preach because, you know, there's like a whistling sound sometimes, you know, with, you know. I didn't understand. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Pastor Corey, he's not sitting there daydreaming about how great things were when he was younger, right? He is truly embracing where he is today. He's trying his best to be involved in all of his grandchildren's lives. When he shares testimonies about how he lives his life, it's very evident that he's stepping into his call. He coaches his grandchildren's teams still to this day with his bad knee and he's living out his calling and when you spend any moment of time with them 
you know that he does not hate his life right now. He embraces it. He serves and he glorifies God in the assignment that God has for him today. You know, after talking with them, you know, I was thinking like, man, God willing, I get to 75. I want that to be my legacy. I don't hate the fact that I'm old. right? But I embrace it and I'm content in my current situation to serve, God willing, my children and God willing, my grandchildren to be a blessing and to embrace the assignment that God has for me today. Where are you in your season of life? Do you despise it? Are you looking always to think, how can I just change it because I do not like where I am? Or do you realize that God has brought you for this moment? Maybe a moment such as this. You know, if you look at the book of Esther, Mordecai gives word to Esther in Esther 4.14. And I want to read it for us. It's a very powerful verse. And it says this, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And it says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position For such a time as this. Now we can't get into all the historical background of this text. But Esther is definitely not in a perfect set of circumstances. Especially the Jewish people as a whole. It's very challenging. And Mordecai is saying. He's giving us a reminder. Of how God places us in positions and situations in our lives. It's not an accident for his purposes. And when we recognize and are present in it, we can step in faith to what God has for us today. And who knows, maybe you are where you need to be right now for such a time as this. For God's purposes to be lived out. Maybe as a mother, maybe as a co-worker, maybe as a father, maybe as a grandfather. Every season has its blessings and challenges. We got to be careful. You know, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm kind of like, I like living in the future. I've always been kind of a planner. So when I was in high school, I was always like, man, I'm going to be happy when I get into a good college. And then when I was in college, I was like, man, I'm really going to be happy when I get a job. And then when I got my job, it was like, Man, job is whatever. I need to get married. And when I get married, I'm gonna, and so I was always constantly doing that. Thinking and living for what's to come. And if you ever are like that, I want to just tell you, you automatically are telling yourself that you are not content and happy in the present. You're always struggling with discontent because you're saying, until I get here, I'm not happy. Until I get there, today's not enough. And you will constantly struggle with envy and discontent. While the Word of God always tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. And where you are today is a gift. 
I want to talk to the single people, okay? If you're single, don't raise your hand, but just look at me, okay? So I'm talking to you. I'm going to tell you right now, singleness is not a curse, amen? Okay, they don't believe me, okay? It is not a curse. It gives you the freedom to live your life in a way where you are so available for the things of God that me, as a, you know, I have three kids, it's a blessing, okay? But there are things I cannot do that you can do today. And God has you exactly where you need to be to step into the things that other people cannot. So he gives, interestingly, two illustrations to kind of back his point. He's going to talk about circumcision and slavery. Okay? A little random, I know it seems, but here's his point. You don't have to change anything. Your current set of circumstances, you can still love God and serve him regardless of where you are. Now, why bring up circumcision and slavery? Well, we're going to get there. First one, circumcision. Here was the weird thing that was happening in the church. There were Jewish people coming to faith in Jesus who were already circumcised. They would get saved, and then what would they do? They want to reverse their circumcision or get rid of it. All the guys are like, oh my gosh. What in the world? So that was confusing, right? And then here's the second confusing part. There were people that were Gentiles. They would come to faith, and then what would... They were like... I'm going to get circumcised. So there was all these confusing things. So he says this. Here's his illustration one. Verse 18. Follow along with me. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments. You see what Paul's saying? He's saying, look, you're trying to change something that does not matter. Your current set of circumstances, if you were circumcised, remain. If you were not, remain, because that's not the important part. The important part is wherever you are, whatever state you are in, live it out and remain and serve in the context that you are. That's why in verse 20 he says, each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Now, the second illustration talks about slavery. Because culturally, slavery is such a difficult thing. It has such a negative connotation. Obviously, throughout our history in America, but also in the biblical context. And he's saying, even as a slave, you don't have to change and become not a slave. Right? So read with me, verse 21. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ, one of circumcision and one of being a slave. So beautiful. I know it seems weird, but I want to explain. Right? He's using these very extreme and important aspects of their culture to remind the church that your birth, your people group, your social status, your reputation, you don't have to change it. It is in no way a hindrance to believing the gospel 
and following after the call of Jesus Christ, living to fulfill our calling today. Did you get that? So here's the thing, is you might be thinking, Pastor, you don't understand my set of circumstances. I need to change it. And what Paul is saying is, even in the extreme, most difficult of situations, I want to remind you that even in the midst of that, you can still love God and serve him. Isn't that beautiful? I think it's beautiful. I don't know if you do. But it's so powerful and moving that he uses this to help us to understand that, look, wherever you are, it's enough with Christ. Now, there is an important part here also. If you looked at verse 21, he says, if you gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. This is kind of a side note, but I, I should mention this. He's not saying that you should never, ever change your circumstance. Right? Do you get that? What Paul is saying is if the opportunity comes, yeah, you can change it. Get a better job, single person. If you want to get married and God gives you the opportunity and a wonderful person comes in your life, yeah, he's not saying just stay single. He's saying, yeah, take advantage of that opportunity. But here's the key part is don't ever for a moment think that that is going to bring you happiness, contentment, satisfaction. Don't ever think that that is your main purpose and goal in life. Does that make sense? He's saying, no, your goal is still to keep the commandments of God and to live out whatever function and calling God has for you today. So, I want you to know that God loves you so much. And sometimes maybe it doesn't feel like it, but wherever you are, it is intended that God has you where he wants you to be. It's not perfect, I know. It has difficulties. But he's calling us to live and to be present each and every moment right now and to follow him and to serve him for his glory to whatever lot God has assigned to you today. Point two. How do we do this well? Well, we have to remain with God. In verse 23 and 24, he says this, You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So what Paul is saying is we were dead in our sins and trespasses. The Holy Spirit opened up our eyes to the goodness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it makes no sense that we try to find our identity in the values of the world to become slaves of men and what men value. He says, it does not make sense that we try to find our contentment in our current set of circumstances or trying to change that. It doesn't make sense because Christ's blood covers us, gives us eternal life, and so we ought not to become slaves of the things and the culture and the values of this So how do we find it? Well, verse 24 keys us in. He says this. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. That last phrase in the King James, it does a great job translating it by saying, let us abide with God. This is the same thought as the one that's found in John 15. I don't know if you remember that passage, but it's about 
us as God's people being called to spend deep, intimate, connected time with God. I want to read it for us. In verse 4 and 5 of John 15, it says this, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, when we abide in him, here's the cool thing. We are able to find our identity, our joy, our contentment, and our satisfaction in him. Not in our circumstances. This is why Paul is pointing us to look to Christ to help us to be more present to live out our calling today. Because the more we are connected to Christ, we realize that we don't have to be prisoner of the values of our culture, but we are able to step into the fact that God loves us. We are exactly where we need to be. And so we find our contentment. And so when our circumstances are not perfect and it wavers, we are steadfast. We are called to remain with him. This concept of abiding is challenging. It's simple, but it challenges us because it takes time. It means that we have to shift our priorities. The question is, can you make and spend time for Jesus in our busy schedules? Do we value Christ enough to make time for him, to make him first? Because so much is expected of us. I know all of our schedules are so busy. And maybe you're just thinking, like, I just don't have time for everything. And so I'll try to squeeze Jesus in. But what ends up happening is the less time we spend with Christ, we start hungering because we are spiritually hungry. And then we start trying to consume other things to fill our lives and are disappointed when it doesn't. You know, I heard this quote the other day, and it's really been staying with me. And it says this, Jesus is the bread of life. If you're spiritually starving, maybe it's because you only eat once or twice a week. How are we doing in our intimate connection with Christ? I know a lot of times, maybe if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this thing about quiet time. And I think some t- we've kind of missed the mark a little bit because it almost has become a box that we just check. I like what Jerry Bridges says. He says this, perhaps we should stop talking about being faithful to have a quiet time with God each day as if we were doing something to earn a reward or to check a box. It would be better to talk about the privilege of spending time with the God of this universe and the importance for our own sake of being consistent in that practice. My brothers and sisters, I'm going to just tell you, really, when you look at your life, if you're struggling with this contentment, a lot of it is sometimes really just geared towards us not spending enough time with Christ and him just filling our boats. So that we are fully satisfied. So when we gauge in the world and we struggle with issues and circumstances, it doesn't faze us because we know that we are secure in Christ. And then we can be present to serve where God is calling us.
You know, when you look at 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11, I just want to read this for us because this really hits the mark about what Paul is getting after. He says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. See, Paul's point is that when we are content in Christ and we are pursuing him, that is the greatest gain in life. Because without that, you start pursuing other things, thinking that that will fill and complete us. And he's saying, no, flee from that. Pursue Christ and the things that he is about. And we will stay on that great gain, that path of great gain that Christ longs for all of us. You know, I want to share with you someone that is truly living this out. Because this wonderful young woman of Christ, Sarah Coiner, she's an online missionary. And she has the most difficult set of circumstances, right? One that I'm sure every day she wishes and maybe her parents wish that it could be changed. But instead of living, pursuing, wanting, she's present with her set of circumstances and gives her very best to serve God. So hopefully you're encouraged. Take a look at this video. I was born in April of 1976. Um, at first it wasn't obvious that she had any disabilities, but we found out when she was about a year old that she had cerebral palsy. As a disabled person, I don't get out of the house much. So my opportunities to share my faith are very limited. I've wanted to go on mission trips and things, but I feel like that's pretty impossible. And thus I felt unable to do part of what the Lord told us to do. For me, it's a quiet marvel. When we hear the Lord say, go, into the world and we want with all of our hearts to do that and that we, but but we realize that I can't do that that he says oh <laughs> I have a way <laughs> I make a way working with global media outreach allows me to share the knowledge and experience I have as a Christian it also allows me to pray for different people all over the world I hear from someone who has either just gotten saved or has rededicated his life to the Lord most every day. I've started writing someone lately who seems very interested in knowing more. By that, I think he's pretty hungry for the Lord. Getting a chance to see Sarah work as an online missionary was probably one of the most exciting and humbling experiences I've ever had. The things that she has to go through just to answer one email, it's amazing to me. But to see that she does it with such a, such a willing spirit and a desire to reach the lost, she's doing what every Christian on the face of the earth should be doing, and that's sharing the good news of the gospel. She's being a witness for Jesus. She's taken what God's given her and said, let me use that to glorify him. 
And so here she is, someone who can't even feed herself, giving out the bread of life to so many thousands of people. It's awesome to me that, that he has called her and with the calling provided her the, the, the work. Using a computer is something most people can do. Email is kind of an equalizer for me. Working with GMO allows me to be in touch with new believers to be part of the world. My life is very limited because of my disability, but through global media outreach I can touch the world. I hope that encourages you because maybe we look at our lives and then you'll hear like the pastor say, you know, God is sovereign and he has you exactly where you want or where you need to be, where God wants you to be. And you just think to yourself like, no, 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 this isn't it. This isn't it. Like, pastor, are you really telling me that right now God wants this for my life. And I, I know sometimes it's difficult. None of our lives are perfect. But the word of God tells us that he is in full control. That he is sovereign. And that he places us in situations, positions, life circumstances. He blesses us, challenges us. He gives us and he protects and watches over us. As the good shepherd, he provides, and now we have this life right now, what we call today. And Paul's saying, step into it in faith, whatever that circumstance is, and to know that you can love God and serve him and use this moment and today for his purposes. Ezra Taft Benson says this, when we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. Our love for our Lord will govern the claims for our affection, the demands on our time, the interests we pursue, and the orders of our priorities. So my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, look, I know all of us, when we take a step back, we recognize that God has blessed each and every one of us so abundantly. And he's just calling us to step into our lives and to say, let's not hate today. Let's not want to just change today. Let's not be discontent about our lives, but to realize that God has designed it in a way where we can be used for his glory, his kingdom, his things right now, today. So how can I honor God? in the situation I am in, rather than the situation you wish you were in. I know this is very difficult for some of us, but my prayer is that we would be a people drawing near to Christ, finding our contentment, our satisfaction, our joy and peace in him. Living out each day, not chasing more, not chasing different, not wanting to escape, but to embracing right now for God who loves us so much let's pray together
Father God, uh, we just thank you that we can trust in you. You are our good, good Father. You desire that we would continually just come to you. Because in you, we find true contentment, satisfaction, joy, peace. We find and experience your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And the more we abide in you, God, it allows us, Lord, to truly realize that we don't have to find our identity, our contentment in the things of this life or in our set of circumstances. God, shift our eyes, shift our priorities to see more of you in our lives so that today, all that you've given us, the blessings, the opportunities, the privileges to parent our wonderful children, the marriages that we have, the single opportunity as a job, as studying in these wonderful colleges, or people that are still trying to navigate what unemployment looks like, that whatever set of circumstances you have us in, God, we know that even in those places, all of those places, you are there and calling us to live the life that you have assigned for us. But we need your help to do that well, God. So would you help us? We need your help, God. We just thank you that you are always there for us. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen.